Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are both very excited to be talking to you about the night sometime. 77. 1977. I don't want to say Jaws knockoff. I'm certainly Jaws inspired. Anyway, the 1977 film Orca. The ancient Romans called him Orca or Kynus, Latin for bringer of death. He is without challenge, the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth, set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. They remain loyal to one mate for life. As parents, they are exemplary, better than many human beings. And like human beings, they have a profound instinct for vengeance. An innocent creature is destroyed by an act of human cruelty. And the ultimate battle of man against nature begins. Dino De Laurentiis presents Orca. Can you commit a sin against an animal? He followed you. He saw you on the deck of the boat. They always remember the human being who had tried to harm them. He deliberately left you your boat because he wants to fight you on the sea. I won't do that. Now the fish have vanished from the fishing grounds. And it's all because of your whale. In fact, I won't fight him at all. You're not even man enough to accept the excitement of his challenge. I'll fight you! You're a vengeful son of a... Orca. Starring Richard Harris, Charlotte Rampling, Will Sampson, Keenan Wynn. A spectacular adventure. From the depths of the sea. To the top of the world. It's going to be a fair fight on equal terms. A fight to the death. Nolan! Between the two most dangerous animals on Earth. Man and Orca. Synopsis, Mr. Huddleston? I do. So, as you said, it's a 1977 film directed by Michael Anderson. I don't know who Michael Anderson is. It stars Richard by an Harris. Orca. What's that? It was directed by, directed an orca. by an Orca. Richard Harris stars in it. Charlotte Rampling, Will Sampson, a young Bo Derek, which I didn't realize it was Bo Derek until the end. I was like, that that girl looks like Bo Derek. Um, and the synopsis from IMDb: A hunter squares off against a killer whale, seeking vengeance for the death of its mate, which is pretty much the entire entire plotline. So neither of us had seen it. What did you think, Mister Ferry? Do you know? At first, I was ready to mock and disparage this film because it comes in with quite a heavy hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of it, I mean, I'm. it has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I saw that just before we got on. 
I think and, it's better than that. Yes, me too. I mean, I'm not sure that uh, Kill and Kill Again has a 9%. Like, it is. That means people hate it. Mm-hmm. And listen, it looks great. It's well filmed. Um, sure, it's formulaic. There are really remarkable orca shots. Like, I don't know if they had the trained killer whales or. I could not figure it out. During, I'll talk about that in my part, but. But but there's there's some some shots in that that I'm like, how did they? That's some National Geographic stuff. Like, how did they get this? Really, there is definitely at least some animatronic orca thing, but you can only tell because it's sort of doing things on command and it it does stuff that an orca wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's lots and lots of shots of, you know, orca swimming and orcas leaping out, and they are majestic and awe-inspiring creatures, and that's all neat. And Richard Harris, very young. Charlotte Ramping, Rampling, an- another sort of late favorite of mine. I only really knew Charlotte Rampling from her later career. And mm-hmm. as we've started watching some of these films together, you know, sh- she was in uh, Zardoz, and she, she there's... She was a absolutely beautiful woman uh, yeah. in her youth, and, and a ter- I don't mean to make that the top priority, but terrific actor, subtle, you know, but disarmingly beautiful. And then played at least in this film a, a pre-earthy character um, that I thought was really interesting. Like this film doesn't give her a lot to do, um, so she made some choices, and I think I think interesting choices. There's some stuff that, you know, the fact that it's made in 77, there's a sort of a Native American character that's pretty two-dimensional. And, you know, it's a kind of a revenge tale. I felt like it's an hour and a half, and this could have been an hour-long television episode. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like there was enough to justify. In the The end, they end up... They end up in Arctic waters, and I thought those effects were really... So visually, I thought it was quite compelling... Even if, you know, the kind of paint-by-numbers plot of this killer fish picking people off feels like it's been done before. And not even in Jaws, but in, like, Jaws 3, 4, 5, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that's my first blush. What's your take on it? So, uh, I, w- so I came up with the idea to, to do this just because I thought it would be funny because killer whales are in the news right now because they're attacking you know ships all over the place and there are all these memes which i really enjoy the memes uh my favorite one that i've seen so far is one a cartoon drawing of a killer whale and it's holding up a little sign that says uh, god forgives i don't <laughs> um so i you know i thought it was timely and i this is a movie that i've always been aware of i can i can remember you know i had to be four or five years old but i can remember seeing it advertised in comic books i think so you know i was always aware of this but had never watched it I thought this was going to be super cheesy, and it's not. There are some cheesy parts to it. But as you said, for a... The the interesting thing about it is for a Jaws ripoff, the premise is kind of like, what if Jaws is the hero, not the villain, you know? And and this movie is not scary. If it's intending to be scary, I'm not sure. But sharks are scary, Killer whales, on film anyway, I would not want to be in the water with a killer whale. Well, but, th- this film even starts with a shark. 
It starts there. with a shark. Charlotte yeah. Rampling's in the water, and then there's a dun. I mean, it's not the Jaws ripoff, but no. it's clearly legal. Said, okay, you can get it. He's like, dun, 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 dun. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> come on. You know, and that's the only part of the film that's remotely a little. That's kind of you know tense and and scary. And but, what that says is, hey, we saw that movie. We could have made that movie, but we're not going to make that movie. Right, right. And so the killer, you know, the, the killer whales in the, you know, they just kind of look like wet pandas or something. Like I say, I would not want to be in the water in the ocean with a killer whale. They're but they're big. not. They're not scary on film as as a shark no, is. They're they're generally they're they don't attack people generally. Right. And so the scene early on, where I think we have to talk about this scene, but it's pretty over the top for a PG. This was a PG film. And so Richard Harris, you know, is trying to, you know, get a, a killer whale and he shoots a harpoon and it it kind of nicks a male and, you know, makes a hole in his fin. Which is how we identify him for the rest of the film. Right. Notched top fin. Yeah, which was pretty smart. You know, that, that, that was a pretty smart way to Except make it. Except that it's you. not consistent. We see that top fin a lot yeah, the rest of the yeah. film and it's not always notched. Yeah. So. But so then he he does hook the female accidentally. Yeah. So he the was mate, shooting for the big male and he, he hits the female, or maybe he just didn't know it was a female. It's yeah, not, I don't. I don't remember exactly. Anyway, he hits I'm the female sure. and drags her in. And and I thought that scene was really upsetting. So upsetting. Uh, it. You know, so it's the female is screaming and and crying, and the yep. and the male is screaming, and then when they when they pull it up on the deck of the ship, it turns out that it was pregnant, and a fetus pops out. She gives birth <laughs> she in gives trauma, birth. like hanging yeah. up in the rigging, and then they falls take a, to the deck and they hose it off the fetus. They, the yeah, they hose it off of the deck, and like I say, that was. A very upsetting. If I had seen that as a kid, I think I would have been traumatized for life over that. And I the mean, whales are screaming, and he's been yeah. warned. Richard Harris, you know the Charlotte Rampling character, who who thinks he's charming. You know, she kind of rolls her eyes at him, but she admits. And there's a lot of voiceover in this. She admits that she's attracted to him, and there's something dashing and kind of roguish about him. Yeah. Um. It, you know, and I, I think at first she's like, "Look, these are." They really hit it over the head about she's giving a lecture and about how smart they are, maybe even smarter than people and their capacity for love and for revenge. Right. Okay. What are yeah. you talking about? Um, and so she kind of lays this on him like, listen, this is not, you know, these, I know you think of them as just fish or whatever, but I don't remember the exact warning. It was like, don't do this. And he's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to catch one and sell it to a zoo. Mm-hmm. For reasons, uh, you know, he's got demons of his own, and and then this incredibly traumatic thing happens. It, this huge "I told you so" thing happens, and he's traumatized. Like he's sick to his stomach. He is very profoundly affected by it. And this is just this is right at the beginning of the movie, so we're not even through Act One yet, and he already has this sense of profound regret about mm-hmm. it. You know, like, oh, I wish I could just forget the whole thing. Cut her loose. He, he sends her back in the water. She dies. But, you know, from the very beginning, it becomes this thing of, 
the whale has been driven with rage, and it's almost like Death Wish or one of those Harry Callahan movies that it's this kind of a revenge thing. What was the one? What was the the Clint Eastwood uh, Dirty Harry? It these movies start with a just a harrowing, traumatizing thing, right? That it's either a rape that we witness, like we, you know, and they just heap it on and on and on until the audience is frothing at the mouth for blood, like the protagonist of the film who then goes and and it's just a kind of a body count of vengeance, right? Um. Except you're right. In this case, it's the whale that <laughs> yeah. starts notching its belt, trying to get to, trying to get to the Richard Harris character, and the town sort of turns against him because the whale punches a hole in a bunch of boats. You know, and Not I wanted, Richard Harris's boat, but some let other me, boats. Let me stop you there for one second. That was the most frightening thing in the film. I felt is it. It almost you have a horror element almost uh, with these townspeople because basically what's happening is the uh, they keep calling it his whale and the, the people there rely on fishing and they say that the whale scares all the fish away. Right. So they are very threatening to him and his crew to the point of they won't let them leave. They won't sell them gasoline so they can... That was more. So you deal with it, right? If you leave, this whale's gonna. You've made it our problem, but it's your. You know, the whale wants you. Yeah. And so ultimately, like you wonder if you know, and the and the the movie doesn't really go. I mean, people threaten him, but you wonder, like, if he didn't go out and kill the whale, if they would eventually kill him, you know, and his crew. So, so that was more frightening than anything that happened with the whale. I felt, you know, uh. But so, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, Jaws, you're scared of the shark the entire time and you're waiting for the climax of Roy Scheider killing the shark. Whereas in with this, you're waiting for the climax of the killer whale killing Richard Harris, you know, because you're on the whale's side because of, you know, and and they humanize uh, uh, Richard Harris. But there was one really, you know, it's. There's not a lot of real cheese in this, uh, considering. But one of the scenes that I thought was really funny is the uh, the killer whale, you know, is ramming the ship, and he and it kills one of the crew members. And I think this is when they finally, when they drop the the female overboard. I think uh, I could be misremembering this, but anyway, he's ramming the ship, and then he stops. And they, you know, it's like he looks at Richard Harris and Richard Harris looks at him and there's a shot of the orca's eye and his reflection <laughs> in it. And it's like the orca is saying, all right, I see you, mf you know, and I'm going to. Yeah. And that was yeah. I mean, I laughed out loud at that. Yeah. That was yeah. that was a great scene. Yeah, um, it, it really is. It was great. So, um, but yeah, like you were saying with the the orcas itself now. Almost any time they show the any of the orcas up close, you can tell they're in a tank because the water is pretty clear. Whereas the rest of the time, you know, it looks like ocean water the rest of the time yeah. where, you you know, it's dark and murky. So and even the lighting isn't the same. So, you know, you can. But but other than that, like, um, you know, you watch the original Jaws and even the, the later movies and 
the shark never looks that, you know, that right. great. Whereas th- through, I kept trying to spot, you know, is this a real orca? Is this in it? It, it looks really what good throughout. Um, you talked about the, uh, when they go to the, they go North and it's the, you know, icy landscape. The only one thing that I thought looked really bad with that. And it was funny is there's a part where the, Orca is moving an iceberg mm-hmm. to yeah. ram yeah. against, and you could tell that was like paper mache or something. Yeah. You Big know? styrofoam. But yeah. uh, but everything else, and you know the the effects are good in this. Richard Harris, um, you talked about Charlotte Rampling, and it, it's the same for me. I wasn't familiar with her work, you know, as a young person, and the same thing with Richard Harris. Um, I know him best from. Uh, in the 80s and probably into the 90s, he would go on Letterman all the time. I don't know if you ever saw any of those, but he would go on Letterman. And basically his stories were just about him and Laurence Olivier and other, uh, you know, those great British actors of that era just being drunk all the time. Peter you know? O'Toole. Yeah. <laughs> Peter O'Toole, yeah. Um, and so he would just tell funny stories about how, how much they drank and, you know, caroused and everything. So, you know, I didn't really know his movies uh for the most part, but you know, well, he's a great actor. Unforgiven, haven't you? He's yeah, yeah, I have. I forgot that yeah. he's an Unforgiven. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I've never seen him in anything, but and he was Dumbledore not. in the first. Oh, that's I mean, true. He, yeah, he yeah. passed away before they right. finished the rest of the film, so I think this after that first film, but right. But you also have uh, I forget now what what his name was, but the uh, he's native. They're in Canada, so I guess he's a native Canadian. I don't know if that's. The terminology that they use, but you know that actor was in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and he's yes. in Poltergeist too. You know, yes, he plays you know kind of a similar character, and you know yeah, the I mean, wise. A little, we need Indian, an Indian. You know. Let's get him. Yeah, yeah, one, that one guy. Yeah, and he's good. He's good on screen. He's imposing. Yeah. He's very tall. But uh, they don't give him a lot to do either. It's a token character. He's like my people. He's like, okay. Yeah, but. It was 1977. Um, yeah, you know, so so I this was actually a lot better than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Certainly after seeing that it was 9%, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be a slog. Yeah. I didn't think it was a slog. It did feel a little slow. And it actually, I think it was trying to do some deep stuff. Like, he's racked with guilt. He goes to church. He stops the priest kind of after the service. He says, you know, let me have a, a word, Father. And he says, can well, That was can, the funeral for the one. Uh, yeah, the one, the one guy member. that was on his crew. Yeah. But he but he hangs around after he feels responsible for that. And there's an argument to be made that he is. And um, he says, can you sin against an animal? And the, the priest says, you can sin against a blade of grass, right? Sin mm. is really something you do against yourself. Do you understand? Mm. And there's a couple of moments like that that are actually quite profound for a movie. Like this movie aims high. I And there's a lot of really interesting stuff in it. I don't think it flies. Um, like if you apply the entertainment litmus test to it, like I don't have any desire to see it again. I wouldn't want to sit down and watch it with somebody. I don't regret having watched it, and there's mm. a fair amount in it I admire. But I just don't think it all comes together in a way that feels as like 
Jaws is not just a scary movie. I think Jaws is famous for being a scary movie. Jaws happens to be scary. But Jaws is really, there's a lot of comment about the human condition and man versus nature in Jaws that makes it feel lasting and profound. It's not just, boo, ah, you know. Um, and, and the shark is not given any agency in Jaws. The shark is not seeking revenge. We don't personify the shark in Jaws. It's just right. a... It's a killing it this, machine, as they say well, in the Yes, movie, it's know. an yeah. aspect of nature. It's just a natural force um, that the people of the film are forced to reckon with. And we see the mayor, who's this sort of craven, we have to keep these beaches open, right? It's all politics versus the one good man, the one good cop, or there's a handful of them, but the one good cop who takes it on himself to, you know, try and keep people safe and confront the problem head on when most people are too afraid to. And so, you know, it's really a commentary about people and adversity. And this is a morality tale that, you know, decides to kind of plumb the meanings of like, can you sin against an animal? And, you know, how much responsibility at what point is, Charlotte Rampling argues, like, if it was a man who was mad with grief, would you give him whatever he wanted? Right? Like, why do you feel like you have to go out and meet this fish and die in its jaws to satisfy it? Like, if it was a person who was mad with grief, you wouldn't think that was necessarily the right thing to do. You know, what's good for the fish? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. you kind of go, wow, this is so... This is so profound. It's kind of a snake eating its own tail. It's like, right. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. T- I'm like, take a high caliber weapon, stake out, and kill the. If if there was a community need to execute this wild fish, regardless of fault, the town could have come together. You to know, it's your problem. Take a small dinghy out there with a group of people who are definitely going to get killed. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean. It, it it is it is laughable, but I admire that it was trying to go deeper somehow. Um, I, I like that it was trying to go deeper somehow because there's things like Sharknado that are just like sharks are scary. We'll have them flying around, and you're like that doesn't make an interesting movie, right? Um, so it was this was interesting intellectually. I just didn't find it that. I didn't find it particularly fun to watch, and I didn't find it all that entertaining. Although I appreciated aspects of it quite a bit. Yeah, it's not really it's not really fun because again, it's it's you know it's pretty sad, and you have to kind of wonder what the the studio that I'm sure was trying to capitalize on Jaws wanted versus what they got. Right. You know. Um, because again, this is not a scary. You know, I don't know if there is some. Uh, you know, what is this like forty-five years old or something like that? Um, you know, I don't know if there's a little would a little bit of we're looking at it with today's eyes versus 1977's eyes. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Because I don't know if did you ever? I've not watched it, and I don't think I can. But did you ever see that documentary Blackfish about about killer no, whales? No. I Are haven't. you familiar with it? I've heard of it. It, yeah, it's a documentary about it's about SeaWorld, basically, and it's about you know how smart these animals are and how cruel and how, it is to keep how, them caged up. Exactly, how cruel it is. And, and then everyone, has, when when one of them attacks a trainer, 
they put it down. Right. But right, this is coming back to me. Blackfish is sort of like not that the trainer deserved it, but like, what did you expect to happen? You take it a really highly evolved intelligence and you basically train it to be a dance monkey dance thing and you keep it, yeah. you know, and every once in a while, one of them goes insane and it's a tragedy that the trainer, the trainers love these animals, right? I mean, I don't think any of these trainers are sadistic, cruel people, but the, but I think that you're right that the the bigger picture of that as it comes back to me is like the whole concept of keeping this thing in a cage is is pretty cruel and this yeah. is a, not that anybody deserves anything but it's kind of a natural result and uh, so SeaWorld you know it, th- that documentary pretty much bankrupted SeaWorld I think yeah and People I can like, remember oh, I don't want to go see that I've I've been have you seen yeah. To SeaWorld? Well, you are similar. I mean, it's, it's yeah, there are I, other ones. Yeah, I've been to SeaWorld. There's one in Ohio somewhere. I was went to SeaWorld when, you know, when I was a kid, you know. And, but, yeah, I mean, that's something that's changed a lot um, since 1977. You know, even just the, the, the idea of zoos, you know, people are a zoo and circuses and think, you know, those have gotten kind of gone out of favor because people see the the exploitation, you know, of these animals. Right. So, so like I say, we're definitely looking at it from the standpoint of 2023 versus right. 1977. I'm not exactly sure how people would have, uh, zoos have certainly quite gone away. Um, but places like the Brooklyn zoo are, have certainly been more progressive in trying to make the habitat of the animals much larger and much more like their natural environment. Right. For example, and also Google cage in the, it's an eagle habitat, and they were they are they, the eagles that they have were eagle, eagles that were injured at the airport, like they were hit by yeah. a plane or something, basically. And the eagle in the wild would be dead. So, you know, and you know, the zoos now have. I mean, they probably always did, but uh, you know, animals that are endangered, where they're trying to improve the numbers versus right. just just hey we're gonna have these animals so we can make money right you know people come to see them or whatever so so yeah but but uh yeah i i wonder if you know if people thought i mean i guess this movie has never been particularly popular since it just has the nine percent you know rotten tomatoes and the audience score you know wasn't good either but <laughs> i it's wonder such a, it's so clearly a jaws yeah derivative i don't want to say knockoff but it's like the success of jaws therefore orca right but as you said it's interesting that they you know the whoever wrote it and the director and these people aspired to do something more than just be when i when the credits started and there's a lot of uh, italian people involved with this i thought oh this is going to be a really schlocky right just direct jaws ripoff and it's really not it's not, but I think on its face, it suffers a little bit because that's what you assume it is. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's another blockbuster-shaped movie about a fish. Whales aren't fish, I understand. But, you know, Jaws 1975, mega hit. And they're like, oh, I know, Orca. <laughs> you know, it really isn't that. But the fact that they... But it is, right? I mean, they figure, like, if people love a movie about a shark, they will love a movie about a killer whale. And two years later, I don't know, that felt pretty cynical, probably. Yeah. 
And there are some, you know, we talked about some kind of funny things in this. There's another funny, another scene that was funny, I thought, is there's one part where the the orca goes and he just happens to know where the gas lines are. for. The, so this right. whole town is like built on stilts. Right. And so he goes up and rams through one of the gas lines and, right. and you know, it knocks over a gasoline can and, or a, yeah, a gasoline can. And then everything catches on fire, you know, it explodes right. and everything. And it's like, but, but there's not a lot of that in this movie. So it's not like you, it's not like it's the kind of movie, you know, you said you wouldn't want to watch this again with somebody. It's not the, the movie where you, uh, you know, sit down with your friends with some beers or like, Hey, let's watch this goofy, you know, killer. And especially if people did, I'm sure people have done that and you start watching it. The, the, right. you know, the, the orca gives birth on the, you know, and then, and then you're like, Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it was really traumatic. I mean, it's yeah. Dino De Laurentiis, you know, the guy swings big. So, oh. um, uh, yeah, it's, um, Nah. Didn't he do the seventies King Kong, the one with Jeff Bridges? I don't remember, honestly. We might think about doing that. Oh, that would be fun. I loved that movie as a kid, but I know it's a bad movie. Um I don't think I've ever seen it with Jeff Bridges. Oh, oh we should watch it. Okay. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't have a whole lot else to say about this one. Um, yeah, it's a simple story. Um, you know, like I said, it's another one of those where I kind of checked this off because I'd, I'd always wanted to see it ever since I was a kid. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was not at all the movie that I was expecting. It it wasn't the movie that I was expecting either, and I actually liked it better than the movie that I was expecting. But yes, all, both of those sure. statements are not to say that I thought it was a great movie. No, I did. I I appreciated it. It, it tried to be something more profound than just a than just a jump scare kind of, you know. Yeah. Now oh, there's a and scene you know, where Der- Bo Derek gets her leg bitten off, and that was the, funny. The house kind of it was funny. Yeah. So there's these set pieces where you're like, oh, this is supposed to be the scary, the Jaws nod, and they were funny. And you almost wonder, you know, the the, the business was a lot different then than what it is now. But those seemed very much like scenes where executives say, hey, this movie's not scary. And we got to, you know, those almost seemed like scenes that they added in later to try right. to to put some horror stuff in it. Right. That, you know, that felt a lot like in a movie today, that would be okay. This is where the executives were like, ah, we got to shoot some more stuff to make it scary. This isn't going to scare the kids. Right. 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 Oh, so as far as a recommendation, what do you think? I think not. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to slam it. I'm not going to bad mouth it. Uh, I think it's definitely better than a nine percent. Sure, yeah, but, uh, but not so much better that I'm like, man, people should check this out. I'm like, mm. I mean, maybe if you're a super fan of Charlotte Rampling or, um, uh, how do I not remember his name? We Richard were, Harris. Richard Harris. Um, you know, if you if if any of the key people in it are, you want to take a good look at some stuff they did earlier in their career. I think that's worth taking a look at or if you're like 
I don't know, super into orcas, but because um, they're hot right now, orcas are trending. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really work. I think as an entertainment. The thing that's always been interesting to me is as huge as Jaws is and was that nobody has ever successfully recreated that formula. There've been a lot of shark movies over the years, but they're all, to me, they're almost all bad. Right. Um, and you know, and so as, even though this isn't a shark movie as Jaws ripoffs go or, you know, however you you want to term this, it's, it's definitely one of the best ones. So, but you know, Jaws, Jaws isn't, I mean, yes, there's a fear of being eaten by a shark and the teeth and those dead looking eyes, you know, those all black eyes. It's, there's Look something scary eyes. about a shark. They're terrifying and the scale of it. And they made it a big shark. Um, but really, the iconic shot of that to me is early on when the you know you've got the kids are skinny dipping and there's a the swimmer yeah the, the legs swimming, yeah you know in the water and the just the coming up on the legs. It's that you know I when I'm swimming in deep water that fear of that everything below me that I can't see the unknown. You swim in a a large pond <laughs> you feel that it's like it's a and, shark gonna get me and, yeah. and it's aliens in alien it's the it's the teeth in the dark right of space mm-hmm. in jaws it's the teeth in the dark of the deep um so i mean it, it really plays with the monster under the bed the monster in the dark the the fear of the unknown and the fear of the natural world we can't control. And, you know, we like to go play in the ocean. We like to go to the beach. We like to, you know, and and these are this sort of primary human pleasures of like, yay, you know, and the idea that somehow that's dangerous, that that's been compromised, that that's inhabited by something that wants to not just kill you, but eat you. Right. Um, that's all pretty, you know, and... Um, Steven Spielberg is not a bad director. Um, True. That's what makes those. And then why the subsequent movies? I was like, no, you already made that movie. I mean, it's not really a sequel movie. You can't be like, oh, now it's a different. Now it's this time it's personal. Now it's two sharks. You're like, no. They tried it. Yeah. yeah they tried well, it like and, five times. <laughs> and we've, we've talked about Spielberg so many times, uh, you know, throughout the history of this podcast. And, Jaws is such a great script and you know probably if you timed it the shark is in the movie for five minutes or ten minutes or whatever and so the rest of that movie is you have all these great characters in it the rest of that movie is drama is human beings with motivations and agendas and fears interacting with each other trying to confront uh, a, a, a problem that doesn't have an easy solution to it, right? And that's and another thing that th- where these great. other, yeah, where these other shark movies miss the mark is you don't really care about. <laughs> they don't have great drama, it. great dialogue, yeah. great characters. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think Roy Scheider did a terrific job in that film, but Roy Scheider would probably be the first person to tell you. Um, hey, when there's great writing and great, great directing, I mean, you kind of just have to show up and do your job. Like, mm-hmm. if you're acting in Streetcar Named Desire, 
it's so well written. Like you, it's yours to ruin. Just say the lines, even if you don't make crazy, profound choices. The answers are right there on the page. Like it's really, and sure, a good actor helps, and a good director helps, and good editing, and all of that helps. But when the writing is that good. It's yours to mess up, and Jaws yeah. is a great script, man. It's really, it's just, people are like, how did they make it so good? I'm like, start by writing a really great script. Yeah. <laughs> and then find a really great director and get some great actors, and, you know, you're on your way. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so anyway, um, what have we, have we talked about what we're going to do next time? Yeah, we talked about uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight from oh, whatever yes. year that came out in 1995 or 96 I haven't or seen like that. that in a while but I remember it be, as being a lot of fun yeah so that's Brian Cox and Samuel L. Jackson and it's um, Gina Davis I Gina believe. Davis is it carries it is at the center of it and I want to say is Greg Kinnear in that too somebody who he plays her husband I, the nice thing about it is I was saying to you uh, we were talking about this last night I gotta look that up I remember almost nothing about the movie, so it'll be like watching it again for the for the first time for me. There are a couple little lines and C's. Oh, it's it's not Greg Kinnear. It's uh, Craig Bierko, I think. I remember her husband as a character because he's like confused by what's happening with her. It's bonkers. Um, I remember it being. All I remember is that I thought it was a lot of fun, but I don't really. It, remember it what is. It's, about. it's a. It's a. It's a noir like action thriller, but it's. It's really. I think it's also really quite funny. Mm-hmm. And, and funny in broad ways, like it takes. It takes some broad liberties with the genre to make it. Um, to make it also be a comedy. Anyway, yeah, let's so watch let's watch that together. The long kiss good night. Sure. Have you watched anything else recently that you enjoyed or did I've been enjoy watching or? Barry. I'm late to the game on Barry. Okay. I'm halfway through season two of that. I did finish Succession, which was great. I'm excited that season that. two of The Bear has finally dropped. I've never seen any of that. Oh either. man, I love that first season. Um, I know people are really into it. I loved it. I mean, but I'm also into cooking shows, and it's it's stressful. Like I remember mm-hmm. the first three episodes I watched of the of the first season, of The Bear. I Rachel and I turned to each other and like I don't know. Like we at the end of the evening, we like pour a glass of wine and we want to unwind and watch a show together, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. why are we doing this? It's so stressful, but it's like. Uh, it's 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 really good drama, and so now that now that we made it through season one and and we know the characters and season two is out, I'm excited to see it, but I haven't started yet. Uh, we talked about Spider Verse, right? Yeah, I yeah, haven't seen any other like recent release movies. I've been watching Star Trek: Brave New Worlds on Paramount. Is that any good? Yeah. I, I, I the 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 first season of it is it follows for those people who are into Star Trek it's Christopher Pike so it's the it's okay. the Enterprise before Kirk mm-hmm. immediately preceding Kirk like Kirk isn't a kid Kirk is a you know a young yeah you can have one of those um and actually in season two Kirk shows up 
it's it, it's interesting because he's such a beloved character and William Shatner is such a right. Uh, obviously, it's not William Shatner, but a young Kirk who's not a captain yet. So and do you know who the actor is that they got for Kirk? I don't remember what his name oh, okay. is. Okay, I but didn't recognize a good job? him. Yeah, he does. But I mean, how do you fill those shoes? Right, right. I mean, it's uh, like now the young Luke Skywalker stories are like, I mean, I don't know. Because <laughs> Chris Pine did a really good job sure. in, in those movies. You know. Sure, but it did. I mean, from the very beginning, that was like, this is an alternate universe. And he mm-hmm. didn't do a Shatner, but he did yeah. some gestures towards Shatner there. He certainly tried to embody the kind of shoot from the hip thing. I mean, I think he threaded that needle pretty well. For, and those movies are enjoyable, but I think J.J. Abrams was really trying to make... The studio said, okay, we want to reignite this franchise. We want some tentpole. It's going to be big CGI. It's going to be expensive. We want action movies. And J.J. Abrams has said, my favorite... I was a Star Wars guy as a kid, but my favorite episodes of the Star Trek universe were the sort of submarine battle episodes where it's the ships in space... So they have a lot of that kind of drama, like hmm. um, submarine, like dust boot submarine. So is J.J. Abrams involved in this? In this series? I don't believe this, so. Yeah. No, oh, this okay. is like the Mar- this is like WandaVision. This is the TV spinoff stuff of the, of the extended yeah, um, yeah. fill-in in the Star Trek universe that Paramount owns. But um, – so so uh it started with there was um there was prior to this let me before i say something wrong because people who are fans of this um do they give it kind of a 60s look or is it Mm, not really. Um, okay. Not really. Um, there was uh, Discovery and Prodigy and Strange New Worlds. It's all like the timeline. Um, they had another series uh, prior to this. This is a spinoff. So, um, oh, sorry. Hang on one sec. Um, this is great podcasting. <laughs> Can I, I try to sing a song? Or something? <laughs> um, um, vamp. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it well enough to know. Um, maybe it's discovery. I, I don't remember, but early on we meet, uh, Chris Pike and he is just, he and his crew is the, it's how we introduce Spock to that other, it's the it's not it's not the same universe it's the same universe uh but he was so popular and he was such a uh a um a kirk precursor fans love love loved him including me i was like i mean not i don't want to diss that show i think it was discovery i don't want to diss that show at all but when pike and his crew would show up in the enterprise and their paths would cross I would; those are the ones I would go back and rewatch, because mm-hmm. he had that same kind of swagger, but a heart, you know, heart in the right place, and a, you know, and it's like, hey, you got we're out in space, you got to take some risks. 
to do the right thing, um, that they got the spinoff. And I I think that the spinoff, the first season of it, was true to form of the original series. I think they clearly went back and looked at favorite episodes of the original series and um, and and have did sort of episodes that were homage and referential to those. Um, season two had just started, just dropped, and they don't drop it all at once. So there's only an episode or two out at this point. I guess the second episode just came out. Um, and it's a little, the first one was a little weak, I thought, mm-hmm. a little bit. So we'll see. Okay. But, I mean, it's like all of these other extended universes. There's a fatigue that is setting in with me. And now there's a writer's strike. So you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of this was already in the bag or at what point, like if the writers would go and do another polish and we're not getting that. I, I just, I feel like when it's at its best, it's really great. And when it's not as it's best, it feels sort of sad because I'm like, mm, mm. this is not I'm not in this just for the I'm not a fanboy of the kind that just loves to see anything. Regardless of watch I want it to be good. If it's good, I love sure. to be back in the universe, you know, and if it's not, then pass. There's other stuff yeah. to do. Um, I watched last night another movie that I'd always always aware I'd always been aware of and always kind of wanted to see is the Brian De Palma movie. Uh, shoot, I just lost my train of thought as to what the... Uh, uh, Dress to Kill. Have you ever seen that before? I don't think so, no. Um, I mean, it's something maybe we could we could do sometime. It, it started out, and I just thought, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. This is really bad. And then after a bit, it, it kind of got my hooks. It, it got its hooks in me, and I wound up enjoying it. It's... It's corny, but it's a, you know, he famously, and I think he readily admits this, that he ripped off, you know, he would probably say homage, but he ripped off Hitchcock a lot. And there's definitely some Hitchcock ripoff things in this. But the thing that's interesting, so it was a 1980 movie and a little bit like, you know, Orca, how there's things in the news today there. I don't want to spoil anything, but they go and you find this out pretty early on but there are transgender characters in this and they you know they i mean they're not portraying them in particularly a good light but they also do some you know they have psychiatrist characters in it and they're explaining you know what because it's it's 1980 and like people are like i don't know what that is you know and they're explaining what what it is to be transgender. And so that was kind of interesting because it yeah. seemed for 1980, it's, you know, it's not like it's progressive because like I say, it's not necessarily a, a positive uh, image, but they're at least explaining it. Right. Um, they're talking, it's so, a subject of the film. Yeah. yeah. They're talking about it for, which for a, you know, another movie that's 40 years old or whatever. Yeah. Name, kind of name, name the films with transgender characters. I mean, the crying game one, uh, that's the only one I can think. Right? Of I mean, I'll give head, you both yeah. hands and both feet, but you're right up before a certain point. Obviously there's more of it now that it's more in the public consciousness and there have been along the way, but most of them are quite obscure. So that is mm-hmm. like like the scene with the two leather daddies making out at the end of the bar in um, 
after hours, yeah, it strikes you. You go like, wow, that feels really ahead of its time, <laughs> you know? And this is another New York-based uh, film. I mean, there's a big 10, 15-minute scene in the in early in the movie that's in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, you know, I'm, so... Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was interesting. It was, like I say, I, there were parts where, you know, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but I was laughing, you know, at things. I think, you know, it was unintentionally funny. Uh, but uh, but it, it was an inter- entertaining, you know. I, it's a movie that I always heard about. And I thought, ah, I'm going to see if that's available. And it was. I was able to watch it. For, it's on uh, Tubi. So I was able to watch it, but there only a couple of advertisements in it. So. Mentioning Paramount, we should say Orca is on Paramount. So if you've subscribed to Paramount Plus, Orca is, yeah. and you want to watch Orca, it's just part of that subscription. Um, yep. So, But uh, Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. We're on the socials. Thank you for watching. Like and subscribe. Blah, 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 blah. Um, leave us a comment. Make a suggestion. Um, next time, we are going to do The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis. And um, yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty much at time. Do you want to? Is anything else you want to add before we sign off? Uh, I don't think so. I'm probably going to see the new Indiana Jones movie sometime this weekend. So we when has we, it once we both have, it opens tonight. Opens tonight. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to rush out and try and see it tonight. No, but I I but would I like see to it. see it in the theaters. Yeah, maybe I'll take my, my dad, daughter with me. I want to I want to show my daughter the original one first. Yeah, yeah, but my my dad, uh, you know, he loves those movies, and I I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark with my dad, um, you know, in 1981. So yeah. I'm going to take him to see it. So I've got Nova interested. I said oh, cool. I said, look, I I think you'd like it. It's an adventure. You know, she's really into D and D. So I'm like, it's not D&D, it's not fantasy, um, but it is adventure, and it's sort of mystical, and it's, uh, you know, it, there's Nazis in it, and, you know, it's really good. It's one of my favorite movies, and I said, and there's a scene where a guy gets his face melted off, and she lit up. So I'm like, oh, you're going gonna to love it. You're going to love it. <laughs> Has she watched other, have you shown her other uh, fantasies? I mean, has she seen like Lord of the Rings or like I got, Willow I, or any I of that kind of stuff? I have to be careful because she's not interested in the boring old crap that her dad likes, right? Mm. So, I think that's all kids for the most part. Yeah. So we went to see the new Chris Pine Dungeons and Dragons Yeah, you movie, told me about that. And yeah. we had a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's never going to go down in history as one of my favorite movies. From but from a tired franchise that never really got off its off its ass, he really breathed. I mean, he and the the able cast, but as the center of that, he really did. And it's clever and it's well written and well directed. I I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a fun afternoon at the movies, and we went to see that together. So we're building a kind of. Uh, I just have to be careful. I got to be like, look, I got one for you that I think you're going to dig. And if I'm wrong, I lose a lot of ground. So okay, I got to start with the gold star ones and and then nail it down. That was great, right? And, oh, that was great. La, 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 la. We both like to talk <laughs> in movies, oh, okay. so we can't watch them with my wife, who hates when people talk during movies. Yeah, Nova yeah. and I are both like. La, 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 la. <laughs> so I wonder if about the, like the '80s ones, if those would not interest her you know i'm thinking stuff like uh 
like I say, like Willow and like Lady Hawk and that kind of those kind of things. Maybe those might be too boring. I don't know. I don't remember them as being particularly great. I mean, there's parts of Willow I remember, but I don't remember loving Willow. And I, mm-hmm. people who grew up with Labyrinth loved Labyrinth. I mean, we watched it recently. There's a lot to admire in Labyrinth, but I don't sit around wanting to watch Labyrinth again. I mean, I sit around wanting to watch the ones that we saw when we were the target demographic age. And Nova's 12 now, so Nova's certainly starting to form her own opinions and stuff. Um, I don't know, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We we kind of hold it in a light grasp. So if we start watching something and she's like, "This is boring," I'm like, "Okay," and I just let it go. I mean, we can stop. Okay, but yeah, I'm looking. I'm trying to build this relationship that we like to watch movies together because that's what me and my dad did. And sure, yeah, Nate's yeah, not super. Nate dad, watches yeah. stuff, but Nate's not super into watching movies the way like you and I are into watching movies. Yeah. Um. So if I can develop that with Nova, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. I maybe have told you this story before. I don't know, but I have a friend who his kids, you know, this was like 10, 12 years ago or so when uh, the those Lego games, those Lego video games came out. And I, I ran into him one night and he was buying, he was going to buy like a video game for his kids. And I was like, well, have you played any of the Lego games, like the Lego Star Wars or Lego Indian Jones? Or, and he's like, no. So he bought them Lego Indiana Jones, which they then became obsessed with. And like his one son, you know, had a fedora and all this stuff. But he then showed them the movies, which they thought were based on the games. Right. (laughs) So. Right. And so now his kids are grown like one's in college. And I think the other two maybe are in high school. And I texted him and I was like, so are your kids like gonna go and see indiana jones are they excited about it or i said or have they outgrown it and he's like no they're not interested in it. Right. i was like oh that's kind of sad right you know but but yeah. i just thought it was funny that they thought the movies were created you know to, to be about the games we went to the spider-verse and we both thought it was amazing you know mm-hmm. and i'm not precious about the spider-man like i don't care where she starts with that character i think it's a huge open-ended thing that people come to in their own way it's a great character you know but with, well and they did a really great job of you don't have to have read a million comics to understand it right you know, anybody can go in and that's right be like okay i get this you know um and if uh you know and if for some reason there's like young indiana jones that she were to get into i'd be like no 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 wait wait, wait. <laughs> before you go too far down this rabbit hole let's look at the source thing because mm-hmm. I really believe, you know, there's a handful of like really gold star movies that are just they're great movies and sure uh, in their own right. And uh, I would love to get to a place where we could have regular, you know, movie nights where I'm like, all right, you pick one, I pick one. That would be that would be a lot that of fun. That would be great. Probably. And you know, it's not like they have to. You know, we loved. You know, there were things that were contemporary to us that we were into. But also, I can remember, you know, watching. I think maybe I watched it at your house, but watching uh, Planet of the Apes. You yeah. know, which was came out. You know, well before we were born. You know, yeah. So we there's some of those old one. movies that. Yeah, we could do Planet. That's a classic. Oh yeah, that would be great to do. I would love Soylent I got Green. S- Soylent Green is crazy. Soylent Green. 
I got to see Planet of the Apes in the theater a few years ago, which was really cool. Yeah, I bet. But it was funny because you could see like Roddy you could McDowell. see the seams a lot more. Like yes. there are parts where they're running across those like rock bridges. Yes. And like they'd go across and it would bend. You know, and you could see that there was also a part where I could see that a guy was wearing one of the the apes was wearing shoes. Yes. Um but it you know, it was supposed it was just shoes that they had like painted, you know, like Yes, like feet monkey toes on you know you know so, it makes yeah. me think of the of Harryhausen. there was a thing that popped up on the uh internet like the down a youtube poll the other night um somebody had taken Harryhausen's footage from sinbad and um had smoothed it so mm. basically run a program on it that didn't um, do the herky-jerky kind of thing right eight times eight times um, s- smoothing. Um, so whatever the frame rate was, it ran that algorithm and it, it put in eight times as many frames where it smoothed it out. And it's really remarkable. Yeah. Uh, it really, what it really highlights is the design of his models and what he was able to achieve in terms of the expressiveness of the character, his models, you know, through their motion Mm-hmm. And in some in some cases, you're just kind of like, oh, that that does look a bit better. And in other cases, like in the scenes where there's a crowd, and it's it's uh, Sinbad's men fighting skeletons, and it's a whole battle scene of a bunch of people. Um, it looks amazing because mm. the motion of this whole crowd thing that your eye takes as a whole is so buttery that I thought, mm. you know, if anything that's a, an argument for how technology like this can you know not, I'm not all in favor of like oh you should colorize that movie because it'll be better in color and like not necessarily you know in some right. in some cases they would have made the movie in color had that been an option to them at the time but in yeah. other cases they understood the medium that they were shooting on and that was really a part of it so by colorizing it you're kind of like well <laughs> I don't know that that improves the movie. Actually, you know, it wasn't yeah. lit for color, um, right? Anyway, we've we've covered a lot of topics. Sure. Okay. Uh, but let's call it for now. We're going to do the long kiss goodnight next time. I hope you'll all watch that with us. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. I am looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it too. And uh, so, I guess on that note, we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>